Welcome to Off the Fence. This episode is going to be a little different from what we normally do. This will be an audio-only episode that will be split into two separate parts. We invite you into a conversation about the topic of worship and its role in the church. Thanks for tuning in. There's a wasp. Oh. oh, yeah. Where do you? There he is. Oh, man. Okay. That's right, guys. I'll get stung. It's fine. Well, no. Yeah. Hey, so let's start off talking about that. Uh, welcome to Off the Fence, by the way. I've got some guests here, friends, good buddies. But if you don't know this, uh, we'll start with AJ. AJ was stung by a, do you, we call it a wasp or a hornet or yellow jacket, whatever. Has a stinger. Yeah. <laughs> So let's start off with this story. You're leading the church in worship. Yeah, about to. Or about to. Yeah. And I'll leave there. You, you tell us what happened. So uh, I'd got my guitar and, and Countdown was going down. Um, and it was literally like 10 seconds before I was supposed to say, hey, welcome to Fountain Springs. Uh, and I reached up to the top of my guitar and I felt like all of a sudden, like I got electrocuted on my thumb. And I was like, what is going on here? And realized that I just got stung on the thumb huh. right before we started. So I'm sitting there like, Right before yeah. I'm supposed to say, hey, welcome to Fountain Springs. <laughs> so then it was welcome to Fountain Springs right after that. It was great. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I, yeah, you did, you were more calm and collected than I think I would have been. Because you got off stage when you were done. Yeah. And I'm about to go up and preach. Yeah. And you're oh. like, hey, so I just got stung on the thumb. And I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> I would have been. And, and at this moment, I realized I probably shouldn't have told you right before you were about to go up and preach for 30 oh. I, well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm used to being, uh, yeah, I've killed multiple ones yeah. while, while preaching. Hey, so on this episode of Off the Fence, we've got two buddies here, both, we, we all work together, but we wanted to talk about worship. So a really, uh, a basic conversation of worship, and we're going to see where this goes, but let's, I know we've done a little bit of introductions. Would you both introduce yourselves to the folks who might not be able to watch this? They're listening and they're like, okay, who's there? What do they do? So like basic bio here's what I, here's what i do where i'm from favorite color i i don't know just either sure. one of you start uh, i'm uh, aj beard i grew up in northwest arkansas uh and moved around a lot because my dad was in the ministry mm-hmm. um i've been leading worship now for 20 years and 15 of those would be occupationally um the other five were like in college or for my youth group um and my wife and I moved here four years ago because she's from the Black Hills. Uh, uh, and my favorite color is orange. Nice. Hey. <laughs> uh, my name is Milton Torres. I grew up in Atlanta. Uh, I notice people not from Atlanta say Atlanta. I, yeah, I do. So I always feel weird when I say Atlanta. At, at you, it's more of an at with you. It's an at, and then you don't pronounce the other the last T. T. It's like it's almost like Atlanta. A soft Atlanta. 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 All right. It's a weird thing. No, I know. Uh, anyway, so grew up in Atlanta and uh, uh, worked uh, at a church there for the past 15, no, 12 years uh, as a musical director and uh, did a lot of production as well. And uh, we moved back to the Black Hills area where my wife is from uh, three years ago. And uh, I've been working at the church as kind of a technical producer, multimedia guy, musician, just kind of whatever. Uh, whatever needs to get done, and uh, it's been pretty great. 
Uh, fact, no one knows, or not many people know, Milton is the one who recorded my audiobook. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. That I'd was never done time. that before. Milton made it easy and painless, and um, I'd never realized reading a book like that was was like exhausting. Like we did it in a couple takes. It's interesting right. how involved just reading a book is. Yeah, a microphone. you wouldn't think you'd be like, all right, I'll read it, no problem. <laughs> yeah, well, you're thinking of like just how you're pronouncing words yeah. and, and delivering it, and there's a lot to it. Yeah, I read to my kids at night, and that's not near as exhausting. Yeah. As. All right, so what you guys do now is you help facilitate and and lead groups of people in in worship, and so. What I thought we should do, like with, regarding off the fence, is there's a lot of opinions and thoughts and emotions and ideas and philosophies around worship, and I wanted to hear from you guys. So I made, just made a, a, a bunch of questions, but let's start. What even got you guys into, you know, AJ, as you said, even vocationally, and as, as Milton, you've talked about what you've been doing with the church. What led you even into that world of, I'm going to help people worship? I, I know God likely prompted you but let's even details what led you into this and kept you into this uh so for me i was my dad uh, was has been in the ministries my whole life um and he was actually a worship pastor for most of my childhood it wasn't until about high school that he became a lead pastor at a church so i just kind of grew up in the atmosphere of being the kid playing in the back during worship practice because they had to bring us and so it was always it was normal for me to be around um, worship, uh, musical worship. And um, I learned how to play guitar when I was 16. I was playing other instruments before that, but that was the one that made it more easy to kind of bridge the gap into leading worship. Uh, I started playing guitar at 16, and at 17, um, I was I was writing music and playing a lot of music, and we didn't have a, a worship leader for our youth group, so I just yeah. started leading worship. Huh. <laughs> and it was just something I fell in love with. And so it, it was... Um, actually I'm in a group right now talking about calling and it was, it's been a unique voice mine, um, that I've kind of, I fell into my calling at such a young age okay. and always felt like this is exactly what I was created to do at 17. So it's just, I've never really looked back. That's kind of what I've, what Very I cool. like I was supposed to do. So what about sweet. you, Milton? You know, for me, uh, when I first got to the place where I knew Jesus was real was in worship. Okay. Uh, I had grown up in church, been to church most of my life. So I, I kind of knew the motions of it. Never really wanted to be there. And uh, it was in high school just at a conference that our church was atten- was hosting. And just in worship, just finally knew for the first time Jesus was real. Mm. And <laughs> from that place, uh, I moved into ministry school. I just felt like that's what God had for me. And sure enough, uh, my dorm was six guys, and they were all musicians except myself. Okay. And so it was like, you know, let's maybe there's something to this music thing. And just really fell in love with music very fast. But always grounded with the thought of, you know, like, if if I knew Jesus was real within the context of a worship setting, I want other people to, to have that experience as well. And so that just connected the dots for me to start going down the path of, how can I contribute to people encountering Jesus cool. through music? So let's let's go a little bit deeper on this. So you guys, this is what you spend your lives doing. Um, so let's talk about what your descriptions of worship. 
Because yeah, I would imagine people right now are going. They they think we're talking exclusively about music. Music. Right, right, they're thinking right. we're talking exclusively about whatever. They're, maybe maybe they think it's um, prayer. Like what? But we we lump it, and so I'm kind of showing my cards. But like, how would you guys describe worship? Because you're the ones giving your lives to it in a way that's I think very unique to the general population. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in probably simplest terms. Um, Worship is a, a res, it's actually a revelation in response. So it's like a response to a revelation that you're given um, or that's made aware to you. And so probably the easiest non-church response of like worship would be um, like being at a sports game and your favorite team uh, just gets like a touchdown and everyone freaks out and starts yelling and singing their praises, right? That's probably the best like non-church example of worship. Um, and also makes you kind of cringe a little bit, <laughs> you know, uh, but it, it really is that. And I think in, within the church culture, um, it is getting a revelation of who God is or his goodness or faithfulness or something about mm-hmm. him and then responding accordingly. And it could be singing, it could be doing laundry, it could be, um, cooking, it could be, uh, training your children. Like it could be a lot of these things. Um, but it's a response, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I would agree a hundred percent. Just your response to kind of your reverence for God. And that could be sitting down at the kitchen table with your family. And all of a sudden you just have a moment where you're just aware of God being there and just that awareness. And then out of that place, you respond with loving your family and raising them because of the reverence you have for God. Yeah. I think music is, uh, there's a misconception that worship is music and that's an expression of it, mm-hmm. but it's like, I I tell a lot of times when I'm leading a team that the Sunday when we're actually on the stage uh, playing music, that should be an overflow of what's happening throughout your week. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that comes out naturally because if you're worshiping throughout the week, whether it's music, whether it's loving your family, whether it's taking a walk and just, just talking to God, like that's going to come out naturally and it's not going to feel performance or we're probably getting way ahead of <laughs> no, that's, think, that's, but it's, it's not good. going to feel like uh, this is something that's produced or performed, but it's like, no, no, this is, this is a genuine thing. When in the onstage singing songs is the easiest part. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the uh, easiest part because you've practiced that with the team. You like, you've done that a hundred thousand times, you know? So like singing, that's the easiest part in regards to worship. Like yeah. the harder part is, um, making sure that you're doing that in your day in, day out at home, around your family, around your friends, when you're at the store, like that's, that's the harder part of worship. Um, and when, especially when you're called a worship pastor, it's like, oh yeah, I have to be that, <laughs> or at least strive to be that yeah. uh, everywhere, you know? And so. That's why a title sometimes can negatively impact like what's going on. So let's say we strip the title, but then there's an immediate problem. Like, well, I'm, I'm not just a song leader. Or I'm not just a, a, a sound guy or yeah. or a producer. It, so that's why the titles sometimes like lock us in in ways that we didn't intend to be locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I shared with the church not too long ago. Like really, you know, this style of leadership we should all have is worship leadership, but we've given that term to the person who typically is has a microphone and using their voice in an instrument. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, but I know why we use that title for that person. <laughs> But it, it it locks us all in in ways that we have to, I think, sometimes deconstruct a little bit going, wait a minute, 
my life is an opportunity to worship, and my life is not exclusively just when I'm singing right. or playing an instrument right. or facilitating corporate worship. Right. So let's talk about misconceptions. I think that's a good place for us to go. Uh, you guys lead people that you know and don't know. Um, I know in our church, especially when we're corporately worshiping, you've got folks who are there who are atheists. you got mm-hmm. folks who are there who are entrenched in traps of the devil, and they're just desperate to get out of those. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you've got people who are like, it is truly an overflow moment, and they just can't wait to sing praises to God because of all uh, of what they know God to be. It's just such a mixed group of people, yeah. which I think brings up misconceptions of, so what isn't the goal, and what is the goal when it comes to worship? Like if I'm thinking, I, I should worship, I want to worship God, what are misconceptions that you guys witness whether it's how someone's come prepped or not, but like just misconceptions or or breakdowns on oh I think we're off on this. Mm-hmm. Take, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, misconceptions. I I think even just the mindset that it has to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah. just that in itself, I think, is a misconception. Um, one of the things that I've enjoyed the most about just kind of my my ministry walk is. <clears throat> having the chance to do a lot of missions work. Okay. And that in itself, when you go to different countries and different sure. areas, you get to see different expressions of worship. And it blows your mind in a sense. Uh, you go into one place and it's it's very uh, respectful and honoring. And um, for lack of a better term, it's, it's a holy setting. There's a reverence there. Yeah. You go to Puerto Rico, where my family's from. Man, it's a party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're 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 jumping around, hands raised. I mean, you some some random dude shows up with a shofar and blows it. Oh in the back man, of the room. Like, it's yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. it's just it's uh there's a freedom there. Okay, and neither one of those is wrong. Right. I think it's an expression of just a lot of times the culture you're you're raised up in and and the people around you, but just just feeling like it has to be one way, like that's a misconception. Again. Music is part of that, mm-hmm. but worship is also, you know, you see that guy having a bad day and you want to be Jesus to that person, the hands and feet. Like, I have your reverence. Yeah. You're worshiping God through that act. You know what I mean? So For sure. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head too um, earlier, Mill, when you said, like, uh, music is not the only form of worship or the worship is not just music. Um, but to speak to, like, what we do at church, um, what I, I think is an op- is a common misconception in a lot of churches is that the time of worship music is just a concert before the message. Uh, Uh, And it's like, well, it's not, it is, but it's not, it is a concert, but it's not for you. You know, Uh, it's a concert for our God, for sure, to bring him joy, to, to glorify him, to honor him, uh, to speak and sing of his goodness, you know? So if it is a concert, it's only for him, but it really also is so multifaceted because of our, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So God is also, his spirit is able to minister to his people during times of worship because he's a good God. He's not narcissistic, yeah. you know? Uh, uh, but also, um, it's a time that we can teach the congregation truths about who God is as worship pastors. You know, we can teach, you can teach through worship. So there's so much that goes on with just that that time of music. And I think music is probably the easiest way to corporately respond as, as created beings, I think it just makes sense that we all corporately respond either through singing together or speaking something together. 
Um, and that's why we do what we do on Sundays. It's not just a concert that people get to enjoy. And, and I think I overread it sometimes when people come up and say, man, and the music was so good this morning. That can mean to somebody like something happened in me this morning that yeah. I can't describe in any other way than this, you know? And so I have yeah. to be careful that I'm not interpreting it in a different way also. And just be like, yeah, oh, I'm so happy to hear that, you know? But Yeah, it's because there's an awkwardness. With a sermon, you'll hear that too. Like, oh, wow, that was that was and they'll, they'll use words like good or whatever and, but i what i what i think's being articulated just in their own language is i met with god today mm-hmm. and just wanted to tell you yeah uh, but sometimes we we say stuff i think in basic language too because you're not sure how to say it but it's yeah the whether it's it's whatever it is the encounter with god mm-hmm. is the big deal so what what is since most people are going I want to worship, and we we do lump it into music. It, is you guys help prepare people to enter into worship? What's your process? That could and that could start wherever you want to, but like that could be for you as an individual or as a team or as a church. What's talk? Feel free to talk about the church philosophy. There's no, I don't care what you guys say, but like like, what's what's the process mm-hmm. to le- to as you guys get someone coming from point A to the church. Mm-hmm. You've come from another point A to the church, and now we're all together. Yeah. What's the process been before we're together? Well, so I'll speak to you as a as a worship worship leader. Uh, I prefer the term worship pastor because I think it it speaks more to what I want to do in my position. I like that. is to pastor the congregation, yeah. not to just lead songs. Um, so someone calling it worship leader, fine, whatever. That's great, you know, as long as the heart is there. But you wouldn't show up. Uh, having written down a message without actually like been through the message yeah. on a Sunday. Like you're, right. you're going to go to that place so you can take the congregation with you. Mm. I, I think it's the same with, with, with worship with songs is I, I'm not going to show up on a Sunday without ever having been through this set and expect that I'm going to be equipped to take anyone to a certain place. Mm. Like I I've for years and years and years, my, um, my preparation has been spending time through the set that we're leading so that I can have a sense for what may happen during this during this song or during this up. So I'm equipped to lead the congregation into a place. And so it's always been a preparation. Actually, when I was leading worship in Oregon for 10 years, I uh, I would take the worship set into the gymnasium because the acoustics are nice, you know. Okay, you know? okay. And, uh, and I would just worship through the set on my own mm. um, so that I had a sense of like, what God might be working in me through this song and what that might do in in the room. Um, so I'm a firm, firm believer that like you can't take people places you've never been yourself. Um, and I think that even comes down to the specific of like that specific set. And it doesn't have to be those three or four or five songs. It like can be any of them. But like if you haven't gone to that place, like how are you equipped to lead other people to that place? Um, and that's why I, I speak to it as more of like a worship pastor instead of a worship leader, because I deeply care about the congregation and their understanding of who God is and how that affects their life. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's so good. I love what you said about just you can't uh, take people where you haven't been. That's mm-hmm. and that's so true. Like as leaders, you know we can't we can't take people down to the to the gas station if we don't know where it is. Right. Yeah, you know I mean like yep. just that type of concept. Um, a lot of very similar to to what AJ said. I think there's there can be a misconception that oh a music director is doesn't think pastorally and they're just focused on this one thing, but I mean, the truth is, like, as a as a music director, my job is to prepare the team 
and pastor them to be able to facilitate what needs to happen. And if in your preparation, I tell my people, if, if you're thinking about what you're having to play on a Sunday morning, you know, you're not, you're not fully prepared. You're not engaged in worship because you're worried about what's the next note coming. What's the melody. So your mind is automatically just like not fully engaged in the moment, but that preparation of not just knowing the songs, but um, knowing kind of the direction that the worship pastor wants to go and fully engaging in that. That's part of the preparation process. It's not just yeah. learning the lyrics and learning the musical chords and such. Um, so f- for me, preparation wise is learning the songs as is um, understanding what my team is capable of. You know, like if I've got a, a team that's full of professional musicians, I'm going to approach that differently than volunteers. Sure. And neither one is is wrong. They're mm-hmm. both phenomenal expressions and, and a great team. But how I lead that is going to be very differently. My job is to pull the best out of every single person and craft a sound based on what the worship pastor wants to do and what we feel like God wants to do in that moment. Um, and in a, kind of another, another vein of this is, uh, and this is different for me because uh, I grew up in a very Pentecostal. You just kind of had to know. Okay that things could, could well, go differently. Yeah, describe that for someone who might not know because I mean, I can tell I think I think know what you're saying. Yeah. You both can speak into this. Yeah, cuz I think it's a there's a, you're 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 identifying a philosophy that I think some may have grown up in or are unaware of. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so I would say more I guess Pentecostal it was uh worship was very free spirited. So you would have songs that you know you're going to do that you prepare for, but they could decide in between songs to to go and do something totally different. The pastor could come up and decide to do an altar call. Uh, the worship leader might decide to go into a hymn. Uh, they might just decide to do a song that we weren't prepared for. So your your musical excellence had to really be on point because you had to be able to facilitate those moments. Yeah. Um, and so when I when I think of excellence and mu- when I describe excellence in the context of worship, it's simply facilitating. Being, having the ability to facilitate what God wants to do. So if there's a moment where you feel like as a worship pastor, the, the congregation is responding to something, there's something going on and the Holy Spirit's moving, our team needs to be able to facilitate that. Yeah. So your musical preparation, your musical vocabulary and what you're able to do needs to be at that level. And again, if you're thinking about, oh, I don't even know what the notes are, forget about trying to function in that moment. You're just hanging on by your coattails trying to keep up. Um, so that's a different philosophy with more Pentecostal, you know, like Bethel worship is very much in that type of vein, very free, just prepared to flow with whatever happens. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other expressions where a lot more straightforward, uh, we're doing three, four songs and that's totally fine. It still requires the preparation and excellence to be able to facilitate. Well, even, even, yeah. I mean, I grew up in a setting that was not Pentecostal, but we went in and we had a bulletin. Mm-hmm. That told us the exact songs that we would be singing, and yeah. often even the pages to turn to. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, but but very, uh, uh, very planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, some thought. Someone, no matter how much time was spent, was like, we didn't just come up with this. This yeah. this this thirty minutes beforehand. Right. The, the guy that I um, so we shared our our church shared a building uh, with a vineyard church. Okay. Um, and so our youth group was the same also. Like we just shared the youth groups um, and we would do like early service. They would do late service sort oh, cool. of thing. Um, <clears throat> but I, the the pastor of that church was an incredible worship pastor. 
and he was the one that would lead worship and then he would preach. And uh, uh, he, he spent a lot of time with me early on, uh, which I'm really grateful for. Uh, but he, uh, he would literally show up with a stack of music and that I can only assume he like grabbed when he was spending his own personal time or, or whatever. Uh, and you had no idea where he was starting or where he was ending or what was happening. It was just like, you just had the stack of music also. And you hear it like, Oh yeah, it's that song. And you have to switch to it and then kind of play along or kind of know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, we didn't have like quality <laughs> musicians, <laughs> you know? So it was a lot of wrong notes, yeah. but nobody cared. It was, yeah. you know, in that context, nobody cared. The vineyard church was just ready to worship, yeah. you know? But yeah, I also grew up Pentecostal. And so a lot of it was that feel of just like, my dad was much more, much more prepared than that. But um, that was kind of what I'd seen too, is it like, we're, I feel like churches oftentimes draw personalities, <laughs> you know? Sure. And we're a lot of Pentecostal churches might just be filled with a whole lot of re- really free spirited people. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. No, I, and one of the, one of the joys I have in, in working with you guys is, is you value two things at the same time. And that's, I think sometimes a rarity where we value that the Holy Spirit is speaking and directing in ways that we had not anticipated Mm -hmm. that there's that in other words, we're not God. He is. So we don't know everything. He does. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't reveal everything all at the same time. So, so there's this, there's this, I know that today, even in fact, sometime, some point of today, the Holy Spirit's likely going to prompt me to do something that when I woke up in the morning, I had no idea that I was going to need to say that, do that, go there, think this, process that, right? I, I don't know that. However, I woke up this morning knowing there are certain things that I need to go do yeah. and be, uh, and, you know, and you guys seem to hold that tension so well of preparation. I'm going to come in with a plan, trusting that the Holy Spirit even helped me or like put that plan together. Mm-hmm. But I'm not made a marriage covenant with that plan. Right. I, I know that that plan was probably enough of what God knew I needed in order for him to lead me in the moment that I'm going to be in, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. You guys do a brilliant job at holding the tension of it's not just one or the other. And in my experience, it's easy to just choose one or the other as in rigidity. Mm-hmm. I plan this. There's no movement because we plan this. Mm-hmm. Or plans are of the devil. So <laughs> we're going to go in with zero concept. And I'm not sure that that's the godliest way to go about it. I don't think that God on a whim created things. I, no. I wonder how many thousands of years God thought about what will the color of water be, mm. you know, or what, what am I going to do with Mount Everest? How high am I going to make mm. that? What kind of rigid, you know, and I think we don't, so I love the balance and in worship, I think, and that's why I'm bringing this up, both are necessary for worship. Absolutely. I think uh, l- lack of boundaries isn't freedom, it's anarchy. It's like you have to have boundaries in order to understand what freedom really is. It's like freedom within bounds. I mean, even uh, I I think the garden was probably the freest anyone has ever felt. Adam and Eve walk in the garden, yet they still had boundaries. Like, don't do this. You can do it. There has to be boundaries. I think the same is true in planning. And, and, you know, the thing that I I still struggle with at times, but like I've come to understand my freedom within it is, is functioning with the software that we use. Uh, in order to help us on Sundays. Uh, we use a program called Ableton in order to help 
both prepare our, our musicians, which you can speak to all that. I don't know, Ableton, it's a foreign language, but, <laughs> but, uh, but having grown up in an expression and led worship and expression for so long that I could, I could literally, I had the freedom to kind of do whatever I wanted to do. Um, but there was this understood, um, expectation of boundaries on that. Yeah. And it was within those boundaries that you can find true freedom in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the beauty of it. Uh, I heard a story once of Brian Johnson, who uh, was one of the Bethel worship leader guys, uh, they were asked to come lead worship at a, a really large church in Dallas. Um, and uh, uh, they were given 17 minutes for worship. Okay. And the musicians they had with them were like, man, they were all talking about like how limiting that was. And this is a team that's probably used to leading worship for three hours at a time without okay. batting an eye. And I remember Brian Johnson talking about this. He looked at his team and he said, do not discount what the Holy Spirit can do in 17 minutes. And I was like, oh, that from a guy who I know is like part of the free-spirited Pentecostal move of worship, okay. very charismatic, to understand that God not only can work in boundaries, but can do incredible things within boundaries is, is huge. That's good. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about worship. You'll be able to find the rest of this episode next week. Thanks for tuning in.